It's time now for the complete story with Dick Bott, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here is Dick Bott with today's complete story. Well, Rich, I've told our radio listeners over and over again that the complete story is never complete. It just goes on and on and on. And then this particular program, The Complete Story, is an opportunity for us to talk to our radio listening family in our own way, not the way others do it, not the way others maybe even think we should do it, but it is kind of like inside baseball, isn't it, or family talk sitting around the table. This is Easter. Wow. What can we do for the Easter complete story that will have special meaning and application to our lives, how we live our lives, and how we come to know and serve the Lord through it. Dad, you know, uh, part of Easter is Good Friday, the darkest time ever in the history of mankind. And how is it that when Jesus died on the cross— we call that Good Friday. Yeah, well, I tell you what, at the time that happened, it wasn't known as Good Friday. It was known as Woe is Me. <laughs> All is lost. We are just without resource. Believe me, I heard a preacher one time uh, talking at a funeral, actually. And everybody was really down. Everybody was a sense of loss. Everybody was a sense of sorrow. And he reminded everybody then that on that day in human history, when the darkest day ever occurred, the day Christ was crucified, hmm. later on became known as Good Friday. Wow. Yeah, because Jesus died on the cross for our sins, but then he conquered death and the grave and rose again on the third day, and that's what we celebrate yeah, on Easter Sunday. He died on the cross for whose sins? All, our sin, all of our sins. The uh, sins of the world. You know, could I also personalize that by saying each of our sins? And I tell you what, there was somebody, before we turn to our guest, there was somebody out of our radio audience years ago that sent me a song that we've used over and over again, not often, but it really penetrated. And I think at Easter and on this particular broadcast, when we introduce our guest and get into this story, it's going to have so much meaning. Now, here it is, folks. When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. Mm.
Everybody will be getting up and going to Easter Sunday service, and we'll be celebrating Good Friday and so on and so on and so on. But I'll tell you, that song personalizes it. Maybe we can get people to start thinking about it from that standpoint. Introduce our guest. And today, Jesus is in the business of redeeming the lost and bringing us all to him. We have a wonderful guest in studio that we're looking forward to sharing his story with our radio audience. I think people know that our headquarters, Bot Radio Network headquarters, is in Kansas City. Because in Missouri, that's where we started 55 years ago. But we had to be in Florida uh, several weeks ago. Can you imagine to meet somebody at that conference that we were at from Kansas City. And thank goodness that we had to travel a thousand miles or more to meet this gentleman and his family because here they are and now we have met our new best friends. Go ahead. He was born in Gaza at the age of 17. Tass Sada was carrying a high-powered sniper rifle. He had run away from home and become a PLO sniper and a driver for Yasser Arafat. His experience growing up as a Palestinian refugee in Saudi Arabia taught him to hate. And like so many other Palestinians, he had hated. He had his hatred and his rifle aimed squarely at Israel. Uh, Toss's story could have ended tragically and other casually in the centuries of hatred brewing in the Middle East, but Tass was destined for better things. His story will give you an intimate look. This is, this is more than a story of a Palestinian refugee making something good of his life in America. It's a story of the ultimate triumph of love over hatred, reconciliation over persistent divisions. It's a story that can inspire all of us to overcome the divisions and conflicts we have in our own lives. Tas Sada is our guest here and, on The Complete Story. And i tell you what, the conflict is overcome at the foot of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you, sir. Welcome. Thank you very much, Dick and Richard. It's so good to be with you and, and really to, uh, to have the honor of eventually meeting you. I've heard your radio talk so many times and never really had the chance to meet you. And so I'm honored to be with you. Well, tell us your story. Well, it is a, a very short story. It could take a, a couple of days. Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> the microphone is yours. We have about 28, well, 29 yeah, minutes. But, but this story, and we're going to tell you folks about his book, and he is going to be a frequent guest on the complete story. Oh, yes, his book, Once when, an Arafat you know, Man. When Rich, yes. when Rich was saying you were Yasser Arafat's driver, that meant you were... He was sitting in the vehicle, and he trusted you to get him where he was going. So you are a person with great determination. I, I think that's why they chose me. I was a, a very good and very determined driver, and I was supposed to take him to places where dangerous places that I need to take him there without stopping no matter what. And that's why they chose me for that. But, uh, you know, that's one of my, my dark times my dark story and uh, the life that I've lived 
growing up as a Palestinian in Saudi Arabia, referred to as a Palestinian immigrant and refugee, really, they did, nobody had to teach me how to hate Israel and the Jews. I, I just grew up hating them because I believed they were the ones that caused me to be an immigrant and refugee. See, you didn't have to be taught to hate the Jews because you just grew up hating them in the same way that from childhood you came to know what your own name is. Mm, exactly, exactly. And so at the age of almost 17, I was even 16 and a half, when we lost the war of 1967, that's when I decided this is it. Those Arab leaders are wicked and they're selling us out to the Jews. I'm going to go to fight for my homeland. See, I didn't run away to, to fight against Israel because of Islamic extremism or anything like that. I just wanted a homeland. That's what I went to fight for. And uh, so I went to and joined Yasser Arafat forces in Syria first. I was trained and then we was uh, sent to Jordan and was trained as a fighter. And eventually was, uh, was raised up in the ladder and become an assassin. As an assassin, you know, it become difficult for me. Well, as an assassin, you kill people. Yes. Well, I, I studied their life. I studied their life before. And that's what was the difficult part. I get to know them more than they know themselves before I decide to take their, their life. And, and that's when I realized maybe if I get more education, I can fight the Jews with my brain. It's always about the Jews, about my, you know, fight the Jews with my brain instead of my weapon. Because that's all you've been taught. Yeah, exactly. And so I came to America. I didn't know why I came to America. I hated Americans as much as I hated the Jews and America and all it stands for. But yet I was so drawn to come to America and eventually I made it. That's another miracle. But uh, being in America for a few months, I realized the American people were kind. They never called me an immigrant or a refugee and they accepted me. And that made a lot of difference in my heart. I thought, okay, I wanna live in this country. So I asked my friends what would be the best way to stay in America. They said to marry an American girl. I thought, that's easy, that's no problem. So I went hunting for an American girl. I found her in Kansas City, right at a, at a nightclub on 51st and Main. And uh, when I saw her, the minute I walked in, I saw her with her sister sitting there. I thought, that's my girl. Or my victim, it all depends on how she behaved. So I went after her and eventually I won her and I danced. and and uh, started calling her every day for three days. She will talk for three or four hours and, see, I didn't speak English. For, for, three, or four, for three days, she will talk for three or four hours and I did not understand 95% of what she was saying. But you were nodding your head up and down as uh, well. Yeah, I was saying, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And eventually I proposed on the third day. I proposed to her. She thought I was nuts. <laughs> But I didn't got, give up, and eventually we got married. And that began a new life for me in America. I'm sharing this with you in order to get to the point of how an American man finally got used to change my heart. When I got married, my father got mad and said, okay, you marry an American girl, no more money from me. You feed your American wife. 
So I started looking for a job, found a job as a dishwasher at a French restaurant in Kansas City called Le Méditerranée French Restaurant. And uh, <clears throat> I worked very hard. The owners liked me, French couple who owned the restaurant. They liked me very much because I worked very hard. And they started taking me to teach me how to serve in the dining room. So I go to take the dirty dishes from my first customer, and that was Charlie Sharp. And you were a pretty mm. young person. I was 23 years old. Yeah. But this is the key. That, that Listen, folks, this is the key. Charlie Sharp at that time was a very um, successful. He had his own life problems. He mm. had his own life problems. Mm. He came to, know the, to be a Christian and all that sort of thing. But he showed how. what did Charlie Sharp do to this young fellow that really impressed you? Yeah. I reached for his dish, and I was so nervous. My hands were shaking because I never did that before. And, and Charlie noticed that I was nervous. So he looked at me with such a beautiful smile and said, Thank you, young man. I was surprised. You know, in, in the Middle East, my father had many servants. I never thanked our servants. And so for him to thank me, that was huge. I touched my heart. I made a decision I'm going to take good care of this man every time he comes to eat there. Turned out to be he's a regular customer. And we become very... He, he looked at me for some reason with such a respect and, and saw how hard work I was and, and how I grew very fast in the restaurant business and eventually managing one of the top restaurants in America within two years. He was intrigued. He thought, wow, this... Foreign boy. And the first thing he did, listen, folks, he showed you an act of kindness. Exactly. Exactly. And that started a, a strong relationship. Charlie respected me and, and treated me with such respect and become very successful in the restaurant business and, and then left the restaurant, started in the hotel industry. And, but the relationship continued with Charlie. And you were still a Muslim. Yeah, I was a Muslim. And uh, 19 years go by, and uh, the owners of the French restaurant decided they want to sell that restaurant to me, so we went to buy it. But I didn't want to leave it where it was. I wanted to buy our own building and then move the restaurant to it. So Charlie knew that. He was trying to help me find the right place. So he comes to me in mid-February of 1993, almost 19 years exactly. He's excited. He tells me, Tas, I found just the right place for you. I said, oh, where? He told me about the place that I've gone to just three days before, an old funeral home that folded, closed down. And, and uh, when I went in that uh, funeral home, I was so scared when I walked in I didn't there. think funeral homes ever closed down. I mean, people never stopped needing them. <laughs> but anyway, this one did. But this did. particular one was closed. But I was so scared, so I ran out of there. So I said to Charlie, I said, Charlie, I was there three days ago, and man, when I walked in there, I felt creeps all over the place, demons and ghosts. And spooks. <laughs> spooks, yeah, spooked me up. So Charlie laughed at me, and, and for the first time in 19 years, he brings up the subject of God. The dust, you know why you felt scared like that? I said, no, why? He said, because you don't have the fear of God in you. I was surprised. So Charlie, I'm a Muslim. I fear God. He said, no, you don't. 
But he said, not to worry. I can help you with that. I can fix it. With such a confidence, he points his finger to the sky and he says, I have connection. I laughed at him and I walked away. But that word connection just stuck in my head and I keep thinking day in and day out, what is this connection? And every time I call Charlie and it's, ah, you're not quite ready yet. Three weeks went by, I got to the point where I could not eat, I could not sleep. And, uh, and finally, I, was, I used to smoke, I went up to six packets of cigarettes a day. Finally, Charlie decided it was time. He came and picked me up, took me to his house. On the way to his house, he's talking to me and about miracles in his life. And his voice changed, his demeanor changed, his language changed. I was, I didn't know what he was talking about. We get to the house, he's opening the door and he goes, Tas, to have the peace that I have, you must love a Jew. Oh, I shocked me. That shocked me. Now, Charlie knew everything about me. He knew how much I hated Jews. But I thank God that Charlie loved me enough at the point to tell me the truth. Listen, now, let me repeat that. Charlie Sharp said, to have the peace in your heart, you must learn to do what you've been taught not to do from the time you were a baby. That's exactly. You must love somebody that you have been taught to hate. He's talking exactly. about wow. Jesus. Yeah. Well, sure, yeah. he was. But you see, to love a Jew, absolutely. He was reaching for the one thing in your mind and in your culture and your bringing up that you had been conditioned and taught not to do. And he said, you must love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. Well, exactly. he's talking specifically about yeah. loving Jesus. Yeah, yes, that's exactly. But he didn't say so at yeah. that time, did he? No, no, he said to, lo- to love a Jew. And he knew how much I hated Jews. And that's why he picked that word. He was really, God was using him so precisely. And, and you know, I, I loved him so much that I, I, I was getting angry, and he calmed me down. He said, let's go sit down. So we walked in. What is this connection you have? He said, what do you know about Jesus? I said, I know Jesus. We believe in him. He's a prophet. I, he, said, he said, but he's more than just a, a prophet. I said, what is he? He said, he's the son of God. He's God. And that's when I jumped off that sofa and I said, Charlie, that is a blasphemy. I don't believe in this. I don't know what's wrong with you. I'm getting out of here. And I was running out, and he looked at me, and he yelled, and he said, Tas, calm down. You are so worked up. Calm down. Sit down. Sit down. Give me just a few more minutes. I loved him so much. I went back, sat down. He went and came back with a box. And he opened it and took a book out of the box that was the Bible, brand new. And he sat it between the two of us. And he was sitting closer to me to where it shocked me. I, I didn't want to be near And you recognize it as a Bible? Oh, yeah. It says Holy Bible on it. And then in that, in that moment, I jumped away from it. He said, why did he jump like that? I said, I can't touch it. He said, why? It's just a piece of paper. And he was flipping the pages. I said, no, no. It's got the Word of God and the name of God in it. He said, so you believe this is the Word of God? I said, yes. Why did I say yes when we as Muslims really don't believe the Bible is valid as the Word of God? But Charlie was so wise, and he said, okay, if you believe this is the Word of God, let me share with you what it says about Jesus. Go ahead. He picked up the Bible, and he opened. 
He looked at it, and he started smiling. He didn't change pages. He didn't have any marking or anything. He just looked at it, smiled, and began to read to me from John 1.1. He said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God in the beginning. When he started reading, I started shaking violently, and then I, I lost conscience. The next I know, I'm on my knees on the floor with my hands lifted up, inviting Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. See, you were being confronted by the exact opposite of what you had been taught from the time you were just a little, little awakened baby, and you were being confronted with truth, and that was a collision course in your life. Exactly. You see, for me to and say yes— And you are yes, kind of an intense person, by the way. I, I am. <laughs> for me to, to say yes— this is the Bible. I mean, as Muslims, we don't believe the Bible is still valid as the Word of God. So that, that I believe the Lord was, the Holy Spirit was already working in me. Anyway, I, I looked at Charlie, and, and he's shaking, and he's crying, and I was worried about him. I thought something happened to him. Yeah. And, and I said, Charlie, what's the matter? What have, what? He said, man, I've never seen anything like this in my life. You looked weird, but I like it anyway. And he comes <laughs> and he hugs me. And, and he said when he started reading the word to me, uh, to you, he said you started shaking violently and then you were taken off the sofa in the yeah. air. You were brought down to your knees and your hands were lifted up. And he said you started speaking in a language. He said I didn't know what you were saying. And uh, he said you were speaking in a language might be a native yeah. language. I didn't know what language I he was speaking. He just didn't recognize the language you were using. Yeah. And so he knew that this was a collision course in your life, and God was doing something. Exactly. To exactly. turn you from one direction, yeah. clear around 180 degrees. Exactly. And I was speaking to a light that was saying to me, I am Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He and who cometh to the Father by me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amen. And that changed my whole life. So you accepted Jesus Instantly. as your Lord and Savior. Yeah, he led me in the sinner tell prayer. Me this, that did that did. make you did change your relationship with your wife as a husband? Well, I I came I came to back to the restaurant and I was excited and I, I told her Charlie explained to me what was going on and so I told Karen, honey, I, I think I I become a Christian today. I gave my heart to Jesus. She laughed at me, and she said, yeah, sure. She knew. I've come to her with a lot of crazy yeah. stuff in the past, in the years, 19 years that I've known her. But she began to watch the changes in my own life, reading the Bible and crying all the time as I'm reading the Bible and, and speaking. Sometimes I'm speaking because the Holy Spirit was really opening the word mm -hmm. to me. And that changed my whole demeanor towards my life and, and, and what I look at, and especially the Jews. Yeah. Now, let hey, me— I, I want you to expand on that. You look on that—I imagine you were about to say life differently than you did, but especially to the Jews. Now they are who to you? Now they are my, my cousins, my brothers— yeah. The, I, I'm the half-brother of the Israelites. I'm an Ishmaelite. Yeah. And began to see them as such and see Israel as, as a nation that I've never believed in. Yeah. 
Yeah, as God ordained it. Yeah. There's one more aspect to this, Dad, because it reflects the, on the power of prayer. The next morning when you told your son that you had accepted Jesus, tell us about that. I, yeah, I woke up the next morning and, and uh, I, was, I felt the same power that I felt in Charlie's room. And I lost power in my knees. I fell on my face and mm. began to worship mm. a God I did not even know yet. But then I got up and I was leaving the room. And I saw my son in the bathroom shaving. I stopped and I looked at him and I said, son, I want to share something with you. He looked at him and he said, yes, dad. He had shaving cream all over his face. And I said, yesterday I gave my heart to Jesus. I think I've become a Christian. His eyes got so big, his mouth dropped. He came running and he's hugging me and he's crying and I'm crying. And then he said, oh, dad, I'm so happy for you. I stopped to think for a minute, why is the boy happy for me? I said, son, why are you happy for me? He said, well, Dad, three months ago I gave my heart to Jesus, but I didn't tell anybody. And I I just cried at the moment and, and began to realize later on that my son was praying along with the church where he was saved, praying for me, for my salvation. Until God's time came. You know, our time is just running out. It goes by so quickly. You have so much of your story yet to tell. And we're going to have your daughter on here also. And Ah. your wife. Folks, this is a wonderful, wonderful story. Now, before we started making the broadcast here, our producer, Ken Monroe, said that someone had given him a copy of the book that Toss has written. And Ken said it just absolutely changed his life. And tell us about the book, Rich. Tell us where they can get a copy. Well, it's Once an Arafat Man. And uh, they have a ministry uh, as well with Seeds of Hope and Hope for Ishmael. And if you go to hopeforishmael.org, that's their website. But the book is titled Once an Arafat Man by Toss Sada and Dean Merrill. Yeah. Once an Arafat Man. And I mean when you were Yasser Arafat's driver. He was putting his life in your hands because you were going to get the job done, but you were filled with hate. You were filled with all kinds of bad feelings, and Christ came into your heart and filled it with love and forgiveness, and you have spent your life now serving the Lord. Amen. Uh, and uh, and a, building reconciliation between Arabs and Jews. This is our calling. This is what we live for. That's your calling. Give us that website again, sir. Hope for Ishmael.org. That's Hope, H O P E, for F O R, Ishmael, I S H M A E L, dot org. All right. Now, the next time you're on the broadcast with us, you've got to take up now and go on with how God has used you and is using you to Amen. show the love of Christ. I want to mention also that you're a restaurant man. Why, well, you operate a restaurant. But in God's great field of labor, all work is not the same. He hath a service for each one who loves his holy name. Amen. And you to whom the secret of all sweet sounds are known, rise up. For he hath called you to a labor all your own. Do you, do, you, uh, do, you, do you identify with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. When, you know, I, I, I loved the ministry of ser- serving. All right. And that's what we're doing. This is Dick Bott with his special program for our audience as a public service. And I'll see you later.